Welcome to Murder and Mimosas. Just a quick disclaimer before we get started. Our show is Murder and Mimosas. It's a true crime podcast. This means that we do discuss crimes, including but not limited to disappearances, murder, and sexual assaults. All our episodes are told with the respect of the victims and the victims' families in mind. We strive to ensure that we provide factual information, but some information is more verifiable than others. With that, grab your mimosas and let's dive in. Welcome back, Margaritas. I'm Shannon. And I'm Danica. We're going to tell you the story of the Flick family. So fall in Arkansas is anything but predictable. It may be very cold or extremely warm, and it could be both in the same week or even the same day for that matter. You may have state and county fairs, you have Halloween activities ramping up, and of course you have Friday night football games. The weather that week was in the mid-70s all week, and Aaron Hodge had gone to the homecoming game in Paragold that night. It was a Friday night, Friday the 13th to be exact, in 1995. Aaron didn't live in Paragold though. He was born and raised in Rector, Arkansas, about 20 miles away a small town of about 2,500 people. Aaron was 17 years old and lived at home with his stepfather, David Flick, and his mother, Barbara, and his half-sister, 11-year-old Adrian. Aaron had never been adopted by David, and his name had never been legally changed, but he went by the name Aaron Flick. Is that even possible to do? I've often wondered that. My uncle had married a woman and her grandson came to live with them. They changed his last name to my uncle's, but not legally. And then when they got divorced, they went back to his original name. So I've always wondered how you could do that back then. So just think of all the people that could have been changing their kids' identity so easily. Yeah, that's a pretty frightening thought. Yes, it is. So the rector police are called and asked to do a welfare check on the Flick family. This call came from friends in Florida that were expecting the the Flick family. The family was supposed to be in Florida visiting them and they didn't arrive and hadn't heard from them. The rector of the police department are somehow made aware that Aaron is driving his stepfather's stepfather David's truck and is currently in Paragold. The Paragold police do locate him and bring him in around one that morning, asking him where his family is. He says he's heard from them and they would be returning home that day. They thanked him for his time and sent him on his way. Wait, what? That's all? Like, that's not suspicious or anything? And I'm pretty sure that's not how a welfare check's supposed to work. Well, calm down. They didn't leave it at that. Two rector police officers swing by the house when they see he's home about three that morning. They knock on the door and Aaron lets them in. When I say in, I don't mean in the house, but he was apparently, they apparently had like a garage apartment thing that he was staying in and he let them in there. They ask about his family and he says he hasn't heard from them. They ask him, they go into the main part of the house and look around and he says, no, it's locked and he can't get in. Um, okay, so your family trusts you to stay there by yourself, but not enough to be in the main house where, like, I don't know, the food probably is? Yeah, that was my thoughts. We know 
how teen boys eat, they, of course, can't go in without permission or probable cause. One of the officers did peek in the window and saw sheets on the floor. He asked, what's that all about? And Aaron said that they were doing some home renovations. The police leave since they can't do much else other than whatever, you know, just checking and, but they're not buying his story at all. So Barbara was a nurse and David owned a, a transmission shop in town. The police head over to the transmission shop to see what they can find. They get a hold of an employee that works there and the employee lets them in the shop. They get inside and there's a toolbox that appears to be pried open. Apparently money and a gun were kept in it and they are now missing. Okay, so how long had the Flicks family been missing up to this point? I'm not sure if anyone knows, but it's later noted that they had been missing about a week. How do you have a business not show up for a week and none of your employees are looking for you? I don't know. I tried to dig into that, but of course, I couldn't find anything. They said they had several calls about the Flicks, so some may have been calls from his employees or maybe the shop was self-sufficient with great employees and he wasn't there that often. I really can't say for sure. Okay, but they've been gone for a week and you're just now noticing the toolbox that normally has money and guns like missing and none of that seems off to you? Well, I guess if you don't use it and you don't need anything out of out the toolbox, maybe you just aren't noticing. I don't really know. Maybe, but that just doesn't sit right for me. I know, that's a little odd. So the police aren't feeling good about any of this either. They're still wanting to get into the house, and they are wanting answers. They drive back by the house around 10 that morning and see Aaron outside with his friend David Gunn. They pull in and tell Aaron they need answers about his family because they're still getting calls. I'd have to believe they were letting him know we aren't leaving with this crap that you've been feeding us. So Aaron says he will tell them what happened, but he wants to go to City Hall to do it, and they give him a ride there. Once there, he tells his he tells them that his family is in the home. They ask if they are okay. He says, no, they're dead. They ask why he didn't report this, and he said he didn't want to be looked at like a suspect. I guess that worked out in his favor. I mean, what moron thinks no one's ever going to notice? <laughs> I don't know. I guess the dumb team thinking he's invisible. I really don't know. So the police head out to the house, and what they find is a sheet on the couch. And when they lift it up, they see blood everywhere. It also appears that someone or something was dragged from the couch. There is a trail of blood from the couch to the bedroom. They get to the bedroom and find David on the floor, dead. Brenda is in the bed, dead, and Adrian is in her bed, dead as well. So let me remind you, this has been a week of these bodies decomposing in 70-degree weather. Ugh. All there, there's, They are all bloated with fluid-filled blisters on their bodies and stench like you would not believe. I want to throw up. I would say gag, but I already did that. Um, how are you staying in this house with that kind of smell and not gagging constantly? Right. I thought the same thing, but this guy is going to blow your mind. 
He actually was having parties there every night that week. Some witnesses had said if you were inside the house and asked about that terrible smell, he said he thought that there was some kind of dead cat somewhere. If you were outside and asked him about this horrible smell, he thought he would say he thought it was the sewer backing up. Yes, time out. <laughs> um, he let people in the house? Yes. Yes, in the house. Because he had to have the parties and he got to go to the bathroom for parties and all. Nobody was curious enough to look under those sheets because I would have been. I mean, like, hey, what's under not. here? I mean, he you're partying during the week as a teenager. You, you don't care. I don't care if I'm partying. I'm nosy. <laughs> I'd have been true. like, uh, and then I'd have been like, oh, I got to go. Sure. That's just me. Okay. I know. But yeah, I'd have to be looking for this stench. I'd be like, I'll find this smell for you. Mm-hmm. But so they assume Aaron killed his family and ask why. He says he didn't kill his family. He says that he came home and found them dead. He claims that David had killed his mother and sister and then himself. He does admit he shot David two times when finding him because he was so angry about what he had done to his family. Aaron's 17. Not a crime scene investigator. So what made him think this was a murder-suicide rather than a mass murder? Aaron claims he had found out that David had been cheating on his mother and he told her about this infidelity. She told him she was going to leave him and he claims Barbara and Adrian were going to Florida to stay and Aaron would be coming as soon as he was off probation. Side note, I could not find what he was on probation for. But being that he was 17, of course, that wouldn't be public record. So he says he was supposed to stay at his grandmother's until he could go to Florida. He does admit that that he broke into Dave's shop and stole the money because Dave owed him some money and he did also take the gun. He says he was home counting the money and putting the bullets in the gun when David came in his room and caught him. Why wasn't he at his grandmother's like he was supposed to be? Because this boy is full of crap, in my opinion. He says David tries to provoke him and get him to fight, but Aaron refuses. How noble. (laughs) Nothing was going to bring him down from this high he was getting from them finally leaving David. He tells David that his mother hates him and she's leaving him. He then leaves the house mad. When he returns, they're all dead. There's a place on the deep web where murderers roam. Are you my next victim? I've wanted to strangle a woman my whole life. I want to watch the light fade from your eyes. I'm going to watch you die slowly. I will drag your body into the woods and leave you behind a rock. Are you ready to die? Follow along each Monday as we expose the dangerous world of death fetish. Visit deepdarksecretspodcast.com to learn more. While police aren't convinced of his story, they do their due diligence in investigating. 
They test David's hands for gunshot residue and find it on his left hand. However, David was right-handed. They can't fathom why he would shoot his family left-handed, especially if he was going to kill himself, and determined that this was transferred from the killer that drug him from the living room to the bedroom. And of course, he didn't drag himself there. I meant to ask about that earlier. Was there any reason they could find of him being moved from the living room to the bedroom? Not that I could find, but my guess would be just to get him out of the way, so to speak. If someone did enter that part of the house, like he's having parties and all, I mean, you got to get the dead body out, and that ruins the party. So apparently, it doesn't really. <laughs> That's true. He's got three in his house, and he's like partying yeah, up. Yeah, but you can't have them just laying on the living room floor with fluids coming out their body and all. People right, get, get a little suspicious. I mean, how? Just taboo would that be? Yeah. Uh, very uncouth. That's true. So I'm assuming that's why he drove them or drove David there, but I don't know. So Aaron is arrested and charged with capital murder for killing his family. Was there any motive that anyone found? I mean, not that he needs a reason <laughs> to do this, but anything? Apparently, Aaron was into drugs and alcohol like most teens. Um, he didn't like authority. He had issues at school and had been suspended for making some kind of obscene gestures in the class photo. It's rumored that his parents were in the process of putting him in Arkansas Baptist Boys Ranch, which is a place for troubled boys that were having issues like Aaron. From what I can tell, it no longer exists. But family and friends say that David and Barbara were scared of Aaron. They went as far as hiding knives. Um, they had the gas turned off on their stove so that Aaron couldn't blow them up and put a lock on Adrian's bedroom, mainly because he kept coming and stealing her allowance. So his motive is he doesn't want discipline? Pretty much from what I can gather. It kind of reminded me of the Mendez brothers. While not on the scale that they were, he's using his stepdad's truck all week. He stole the money from the toolbox. And he's used their credit cards and writing checks to do whatever he wanted for the week. He's throwing parties every night. He's just living it up all for one week of fun. So at trial... Did you know that there was new evidence in the Mendes thing? No, I didn't know that. Apparently someone else um, came out. I can't remember who it was. But um, talked about being abused by the father, which yeah. gave them a little credibility to yeah. their... So, I'm interested to see what happens to that. No, I didn't know that. But you sure waited a long time. Well, yeah. Yeah. But at trial, the defense goes with the murder-suicide claim. However, they have David's uh, David Gunn testifying that Aaron had him drive him to the transmission shop on October 8th, 1995. Aaron had the keys to the shop, yet none of them worked. He ended up breaking in, and David saw him pry the toolbox open and take the money, which was only $30 in the toolbox as well as the gun. Who's David Gunn? He's the guy that was at the house when the police come up to arrest him. It's one of his friends. Okay. Okay. Um, so David says he had to hire or had him drive him out to a cemetery after this because he needed time to think. That's where I do my best thinking too, the cemetery. Go. 
So Aaron ended up spending the night with him and he walked home the following day on Monday morning. Aaron showed up driving his stepfather's truck to school, which was never allowed. David also gave testimony that Aaron had told him about six months before all of this that he was going to kill his stepfather by hitting him in the head with a wrench and then burying his body in the country. Then report him missing. Okay, with that being said, as well as the stolen gun, it's all like adding up to look like premeditation to me. That's what I'm thinking. What I don't get is he hated his stepdad, probably because he was the authoritarian, but why kill your mother and sister? I mean, probably to eliminate all of them so he could party or do whatever he wanted or fear that they would testify against him. Yeah, so you have to know... People are going to wonder where they are, though, eventually. You can't be this dumb. I mean, I guess drugs and alcohol mix doesn't help you think well unless you go to the cemetery. (laughs) Who knew? (laughs) Well, he ends up being convicted and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. And to this day, has never shown any remorse and even says he has no remorse for any of this. I don't think we've talked about a case like this. But there is one we have in the works where the U.S. Supreme Court decided that mandatory life without parole sentences for minors was unconstitutional in 2012. This means all those convicted before then were given new sentencing hearings. Aaron's was in 2022, and the jury sentenced him to 30 years. So he'll be released in 2025. Yes. And to say he's been a model inmate would be pretty much laughable. As of today, he has had 31 disciplinary violations from 2017 to 2022 and 79 total violations. Several include battery. He has failed to obey an order, trafficking and trading under the influence, and the list goes on and on and on. At the resentencing hearing, of course, they call witnesses, most of whom live in Rector, Arkansas. They are all now fearful for what is going to happen to them once Aaron is released, since they recently testified against him. I assume they think that he may retaliate because that's what I would assume. Yes, that's exactly what they have said. They said Aaron has already said that the only place he's ever known as home is Rector and prison, and he plans on returning to Rector when he's released. I feel like he'll probably return to prison, too, but that's just me. That can be true. So the citizens of Rector have a petition that they want signed, and they ask that you contact your representatives and ask for Aaron not to be released. I get why they would want to do that, But that would be unconstitutional on their part, and I'm sure they could be sued. Though I think they could ask for him not to be allowed to rector. I don't think that's against the Constitution. I mean, they can't keep him in prison forever because of a a petition. But they can actually sue you if you are held past your release date. While he does have other infractions while in prison, those have not rose to the level of any hearings or additional prison time. So the prison will sanction inmates how they see fit with solitary confinement or taking away privileges that they were given as a reward. But for all those infractions, he's not been given added time to hold him there past the 30 years. 
So it looks like Aaron will be out in the next few years. And I have to say that his resentencing, at his resentencing, he has not had any other infractions noted. Let us know what you think. Is it unconstitutional to put a minor away for life? What if they kill three people? <laughs> and especially at 17, like I get that technically they're a minor, but you're old enough to know better. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's not the broadest. If you're, if you think nobody's going to know your family's missing, and how are you going to pay your bills after you run out of money? Not the brightest, of course not. He's letting people well, in the house with the dead bodies. That's true, but dumb, dumb. I mean, you're not even thinking about how you're going to pay your bills after. I mean, where's this money coming from? You're in high school. He didn't think anything through. He just thought about the immediate of what he wanted then. Yeah, but he knew right from wrong, and he knew what he did was. Wrong. That's why he hit it. That's true. He hit it. It had to be a little bit of premeditation because he had to go get the gun to shoot them and everything. So, and he made up some house renovation BS (laughs) story. So, yeah. No, I think he should just. I know that his only home has been wrecked during prison. I think prison might be the best place for him. Just personally, my thoughts. Well, he probably isn't going to know how to survive out of prison when he does get out because he's spent more time in prison now than out. So. Yeah, I can imagine it will be hard to assimilate, especially in a town where nobody wants you there. That's true. Um, you're not going to be able to find a job. You're not going to yeah. be able to – people aren't going to want to rent to you. I have a hard time seeing him being able to create his life in Rector. Mm, He might as well move on from there because they're not going to make it easy for him. Mm, It's too small of a town after something like that. I mean, it's been, it'll have been 30 years, but town that small people still know. And if one one person in a town that small knows, then the whole town's going to know. You're just not going to get anywhere. Yeah, so. You're not getting a job anywhere close. And you're right. Nobody's going to run to him. I don't even know how he would get a job or a car. I don't know what. Yeah. I don't think he has anything. So Yeah, he, he needs a new plan because he's not going to be able to make it in Rector from what it seems like these citizens have planned. Yeah. And so. it doesn't sound like he had any immediate family or any family or friends that visited him or was going to let them him stay with them when he gets out. So. Yeah. Well, I guess we will keep an eye on this. We will let you guys know for sure when we find out his release date. We'll follow that. Um, But let us know what you think. Do you think it's unconstitutional? We always recommend more bubbly and less OJ. Cheers! If you'd like to see pictures from today's episode, you can find us at murder.mimosas on Instagram. You can also find us at murder.mimosas on TikTok, Twitter. And if you have a case you would like us to do, can send that to murder.mimosas at gmail.com and lastly we are on facebook at murder and mimosas podcast where you can interact with us there we love any type of feedback you can give us so please rate and review us on spotify itunes or wherever you listen to your podcast thank you